recorded live from the mats of Radical MMA in New York City, the Martial Culture Podcast. Your source for in-depth combat sports and martial arts insights with, with Coach, Coach Renee Dreyfus and, and Matt Peters. Peters. Ring the bell and let's get, get it on. Yo, welcome back. Yo, yo, yo. We're on a streak. We are on, on we're not streaking. streaking. <laughs> <laughs> we are not streaking, but we are on a streak. Lots of podcasts. Yeah, two in a row. Two in a row. <laughs> People are going to get, it's too, they're going to be too I am comfortable. so excited though. I am really, 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 really happy yeah. to have one of my amazing best friends, uh, my brother in martial arts, the man who's, I, I walked that martial art path with so long and uh, his name is Andreas Karlstein. He is a man of so many talents, a true renaissance man. Great martial artist. Um, I just want to say hello and thank you for coming on the podcast, my friend. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Renee. It's a, an honor and a pleasure. So, um, yeah, no, it's it's great. So uh, some of you guys, I've talked about on you on the podcast before, and I mentioned you a few times that, you know, and I think one of the things I would like to talk about, um, of course, people don't realize that Andres is an amazing author and he has a, a lot of fantastic books out. One, which actually is one of my favorite books ever, uh, which I'd like to talk about as well. But um, I started training with him way back in, what did we start in 2000? Was it? It was like 2000? I think it was in, it was, uh, I believe in 2001, before yeah. uh, the the Twin Towers uh, were hit, we were training together up or down there in uh, Church Street, yes. boxing above the Church Street boxing gym. Right, right on the third floor. So we both joined this gym um run by Marco Santos, who is a representative, and his brother Marcio, and representative of the Higa Machado uh, organization. And uh, I uh, walked in, and I saw this really scary-looking tall guy, and he he mean-mugged me. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, that's not true. Actually, Renee, you know where where I think we first met? Uh, I was actually at a tournament. uh, I think it was called the Ground Control Tournament, and I was competing – uh, with uh, another a fellow teammate, I believe his name was Alexei Lebedev, uh, and we were training, and 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 we went to this tournament. And I actually saw you there, and you were you oh, were yeah you were training, competing, and then we ended up uh, uh, chatting briefly with you. We saw your you compete in your division and stuff, and uh, and then uh, Alexei and I competed. We actually at that tournament we happened to to both um, win our our we were the same weight. Uh, That's so right. We it was in New Jersey, in the same right? Division. Yeah, yeah. And I then, remember. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and that's where we first that. met you. And then you saw us performing, and you told me later that you said that uh, seeing how our team did, you were thinking, "Oh, I really like to train with these guys." And that's how I think you ended up coming to Marcos's. Well, no, you know, it's funny because, um, yes, that's probably true. I actually totally forgot that, but I actually trained with Hegan Machado first in California um, because my sister oh. lived there, and for like okay. just a day. A couple days, and uh, and I and okay. I was like so blown away, and I said, "Do you got? I live in New York." He's like, "Oh, well, we have this New York affiliate," and that was Christmas of, yeah, like ninety nine two thousand. It was I had me had probably about two thousand, right? Two Christmas two thousand, and um, mm-hmm. or somewhere like Thanksgiving. I think it was maybe Thanksgiving. I went to visit my sister some sometime. I forgot where, when it was, and then I trained with there a couple days. And I met all their guys, and I remember Ryan. You know, he came up to visit us, um, Ryan Gregg, and a couple of the guys. Uh, I met him, mm-hmm. and then and then they're like, "Oh, you know, uh, we have this affiliate in New York." But then I don't think I I joined right away. And yeah, I, I remember we went to that tournament, and I think yeah, I saw you guys, and and it was like, "Oh yeah, this is this is where I should go." Because yeah, I, yeah, that, I actually had totally forgotten that, but yeah, I, you're you're absolutely right. But um, I remember my first day, and. Uh, and 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 you were very intimidating. <laughs> oh man, I thought I was a nice guy. You are a nice guy. Just, <laughs> just, 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 just big guy. And I remember, I remember this clear as day. I uh, I I judo tossed you with a taitoshi, which is actually not one of my my major throws, but somehow I got I got you. This is the only time I think I've ever been able okay. to throw you. And then you you're like, oh no, oh, it's that. on. <laughs> And then we fought like cats and dogs. <laughs> and then, and then from that moment on, right after that, we shook hands. We're sitting against the wall talking, and we—I think we all—we both knew we were going to be friends forever. You know, it was like we, we just got it out. We're like, oh. <laughs> and I'll tell you, you know, whatever martial arts skill that I developed is thanks to you, because you know, people we say that we need a teacher, we need this, we need this. I'm telling you, the most important thing you need, the absolute most important thing you need in your martial journey is a is a, a, a brother, a buddy to be there to meet you. And I remember there are times I asked you, Andreas, can you meet me at the gym at this time to train? And man, 
I have to say thank you because there was not one moment, one time where you ever said no. I know that. It's a fact. Every time I asked you to come and train with me off hours, you're like, okay, let's do it. And, and you were always there for me. And, you know, one of the pictures I treasure in my, my, one of my fights, I have a picture of you hoisting me up on your shoulders. And that is actually one of mm-hmm. my favorite pictures. And it, it symbolizes to me that I couldn't have been there. I couldn't have gotten good without you because I'm on your shoulders. And that is really what that but picture you know, means you, to me. You know what's so funny and ironic about that, Renee? You got mad at me that I did that because I, I was so excited. You fought that fight and it was crazy. It was a crazy fight. That, I don't remember that. That, that, that <laughs> MMA fight was a, like almost one of these underground leagues or something in New yeah. York. They weren't supposed to be doing it. They had the whole like no MMA and, and no, no NHB in New York. And, uh, so all you go to this shots thing and you're competing and you're fighting this guy. And, uh, I remember you had him in a, like a, I think it was in the triangle and you started elbowing him in the head and, I mean, it was a brutal fight. You guys were going at it tooth and nail, and uh, you ended up winning. I was so excited for you and happy you weren't hurt, you know, because he had picked you up. He's strong. I think he'd pick you up and try to slam you from that position and stuff. And uh, anyway, after all that, I was so excited. I just ran and I just grabbed you and threw you up on my shoulders. And uh, afterwards, and I was like, you know, so excited. And then afterwards, I put you down and you said, you were like, oh man, that's not humble. That's not, that's not me. Don't do that. And I'm like, oh, okay. Sorry, Renee. <laughs> well, it kind of sounds like me, but anyway, thank you. Thanks for doing I could, it. I, could, I couldn't contain myself, man. I was well, just too happy for you. Well, you know, that picture means so much to me. And a lot of times I just kind of go look at it and I'm, I'm just thankful that you're in my life, you know, and, and through thick and thin and so many ups and downs, you know, I could always count on you to be my training buddy. And, and the other thing is, let me tell you, you're a training buddy in another sense. And this is super important because, and you don't remember this, but I do. There was a stretch of eight months, eight months, Matt, figure this out, right? You don't, you don't train, but imagine this, eight months where we would spar, and we probably spar twice a day every day, you know, at least twice a day, right? Mm-hmm. Eight months where, Matt, where, where Andreas just kicked that living crap out of me. For eight months straight, and in, he would tap me from the exact same position every single time, and I would go home and I'd like want to cry. <laughs> I'd want to cry. <laughs> like, what the fuck are I got the same, same what position? Pres- are you talking about? I'm in bottom turtle. You're in top turtle. <laughs> always, okay. always. I would always get there, and then you'd tap me out. You'd either put me in a guillotine, an anaconda, or you take my back. One of those three. But usually it was usually it was it was just like a, a anaconda kind of thing, and and I would just walk in okay. and get tapped all the time. And I remember eight months. Every single match ended that way. <laughs> like, this sucks. This sucks. Well, I, I but it made me whole, so well. Yeah. It, this it, whole thing about turtle position, I have, mm-hmm. I, for some reason, I don't know why in my mind, I, I, I'm, I've always been oriented for street fighting and for self-defense on the street, right? That's always been my focus. And so I know, obviously, turtle is a sport position. You're, you're training and, you're, you know, you got to be able to defend from different angles etc but i don't have a lot of respect for turtle yeah. because if you're in turtling totally. on the street you're basically admitting you're dead. that you're gonna and die. it shows an mma you're just gonna get tko's yeah, from turtle down. tko's from turtle are the yeah. number one tko position in mma so it just shows it's absolutely you're 100 yeah correct. i didn't even know that and i mean it to, to me yeah it, to, it makes total sense and uh it, it's just it's just shocking to me and so whenever i would see somebody turtle i just I just have like this kind of sense of like, oh, really? And then I would just go, <laughs> you know, go after them because it's like you're just you're just you're just conceding defeat. It yeah. felt like, you know, and obviously I know there's a lot of really effective fighters who, uh, you know, do sport jujitsu from turtle. And I'm not you know denigrating them in any way. But in terms of my attitude at the time when, you know, turtle hadn't been so developed that's kind of where yeah, my well, was. in my defense i was trying to do a takedown and then you just had a really good sprawl <laughs> so, so in my defense but that being said yes i was a turtle and uh but anyway well, let's it, let's dial it, it back a little it's bit it's so oh, funny oh, go ahead oh go sorry ahead. no go, go ahead, ahead. Go i was going to just no go ahead go i was ahead. just going to argue one point about you uh painting this one-sided picture of my <laughs> winning you don't think of it this way perhaps but i remember months and months and months where it was every single day how I was Renee going to catch my legs. How am I going to get footlocked? <laughs> and it was constant, infuriating, frustrating thing because I have long legs. I got, you know, a 34 inch inseam. I'd be sitting there doing something. And I'd be like, well, damn it. I, I let light, Renee get below me. Now he's going to get my feet. You know, as yeah. soon as their hands were on my feet, I was like, I got to put my hand, my foot on his butt. I got to get away from him. What do I do? Get his hands away from my feet. Yeah, no, uh, no, it's funny because we have the same, threat. it's the same story, but basically we made each other better. And, and, you know, that's what it is. And whatever, you know, thing I had 
you know, to, 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 to get an advantage each position, it made you better. And the things you had to get advantages over me made me better. And right now, when I, when I take, when I go to bottom turtle, like if I'm shooting a takedown, I, I, I know all the ins and outs of that position, how to keep myself safe from strikes, from, from anacons, from taps because of training with mm-hmm. you. And then I don't expose myself and I finish the takedown in a way that, that, and I'll tell you, you know what? Also, my student wanted black belt. His name is G and he wanted black, he's a pro belt, but he competes at black belt. He shot in, mm-hmm. he sprawled. The guy was trying to move that you always do. And then I showed mm-hmm. that he did the counter that I would, would do. And then he, 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 he went up to, got up to dogfight, t- took him down, passed him, mounted him, and submitted him. And, and it, was, awesome. it was like our gen- your, you and me as a generation went to the next generation. And, and that, was, that uh. was our first big G's, first big win at uh at uh at black belt um as a purple belt a big win and it was just like you could see the lineage of the technique i'm like no this is what happens here this is and i'm just i'm just making recounting you know <laughs> things that you did to me <laughs> but but oh, it, it's great it's great and that's that's why i'm saying it's always important the most important thing is you have a brother in arms you know at, at the end of the day it's martial arts is this band of brothers it's this kind that brings us together and it brings us together in, in a way that's so the bond is so strong. It's it's like going to war, mm-hmm. and and you need well, I, 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 you need that. You need a friend, and you sure. you were there for me totally. You know? And I hope I well, was there. I couldn't for you agree more. Too. It's funny we were laughing about this. No, oh, and I, I you you did the same thing for me, of course. I mean, I I wouldn't be half the fighter that I am because so much of what I had to learn was how to deal with somebody who's faster and lighter than me. And you just you're so sneaky, so crafty, so quick. And your mind was always working. I, I, if I fell asleep on you for a second, I was caught. It was like I couldn't take my mind off of, of what you were doing for a second, or that was the end, right? And that's that's how sharp you know you have to be to fight against somebody yeah. like you that thinks like you and moves like you and is always coming up with new ideas. And you know it's a it's a it was amazing. But I, it's when I was laughing about this the other day because I saw a meme posted online and i think christian montez uh had posted it on his uh on his um facebook page and he was saying it, it showed a picture of uh of uh game of thrones and Arya stark and saying her victory against this guy against the 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 the, the, or the antagonist uh is, should be credited largely to her two instructors and shows serial pharrell and the other guy that taught her and i said actually i think the, the real you know hero there is uh waif the, the girl who showed up and and kicked her butt every exactly. single day on the mat. That's exactly and right. It made her better. Yeah. It made her better. Your 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 team, you know the the your peers, the person you come in as with as a white belt. And we we started white belt. We got blue belts together. We got purple belts together. You know we we went up mm-hmm. the ranks. The person who's in your your cohort is probably the most important person to you you know and and it's the person you want to beat the most too which sometimes is a good thing and sometimes a bad thing it's the person that you know you kind of judge yourself against which is against can be a good thing and a bad thing but it's also that you cry together you you bleed together you you know you you win together you lose together and and it's it's this wonderful journey and it's you know people talk about the the best thing about martial arts is that friendship but you know it's 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 like not like any other friendship. i think the closest thing is people go to war you know, and uh, and that's mm-hmm. that's something that I, I treasure. But, you know, I just want to dial it back and just tell me a little about yourself um, uh, and what got sure. you started in martial arts. And, and Matt is sitting here. He's always patient. I never let him talk, but I'm sure he has a lot of questions for you, too. <laughs> <laughs> but what got you? I know you've been doing martial arts a long time. You started in in, uh, in shoot shoot fighting. Right. And um, and or no, you started. Taekwondo. No, actually. Right. Yeah. When I was a kid, I, I, I mean, like every like every kid of my generation, I think I wanted to be Bruce Lee. But uh, where I grew up, there was no Kung Fu. So I ended up getting into uh, Taekwondo. And uh, there was a Taekwondo school and a karate school. And uh, the karate school sounded less like, you know, uh, Kung Fu than uh, Taekwondo. So I was like, okay, I'll check that out. So I started doing that. and I was really into it. Um, and I did it. I got really lucky, too, because the school I trained in uh, was uh, Sangley's Taekwondo Academy in, in Binghamton, New York, actually in Bethel. And uh, that school ended up being, you know, you, you hear a lot about the reputations of the McJojos and stuff like that. This was the complete opposite. This, uh, the instructor, uh, Sangley, went on to become the Olympic coach for the United States. And then his, uh, his heir, uh, Master Choi, became uh, the junior Olympic coach. And, uh, you know, these guys were serious business. When Master Choi showed up, he had been in uh, the Korean Army. He had uh, 
played uh, soccer for the national team in Korea. He was a serious athlete, a legitimate fighter, and just super hardcore. And he showed up and 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 basically turned everybody. Um, and uh, I mean, everybody that he could, he turned into killers. Basically, uh, he was he was serious business. Uh, and so I trained there uh, from the ages of about 12 till 18. Uh, I got my black belt after six years, and uh, when I was 18, and then uh, I went to college and I started studying other things, including uh, Tai Chi, which I did for about a year and a half. I studied Muay Thai kickboxing um, at a place in uh, in Penn State, State College Martial Arts Academy. I also studied uh, Kali, um, and I took briefly a, a semester of judo. I would have kept doing it, but I had too many martial arts going on at the same time. Plus, I was trying to, at that point, study to get into medical school. And actually, uh, I had heard about, I went to a seminar for Kali with Dan Inosanto, and there I saw Bob Bass do a demonstration with Dan Inosanto of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And although I'd seen the UFC and heard about it, that was my first experience of actually seeing it live. And I think Bob Bass, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I think he was a Machado black belt. Yes, he is. He's one and, of the dirty dozen. I've actually trained with him, and he's like an amazing guy. Uh, his his academy actually is literally like six doors down from where my sister lives. And, uh, and, oh, no uh, kidding. Yeah, and um, he's a really, really nice guy. He's really small and super technical. Well, that's what it seemed like watching him perform, and I thought, oh man, this is really great. I have to, you know, I'll have to check this out sometime. So, but that was a kind of early exposure, and and, it, and it's interesting because it was all in the side of the Machado lineage that uh, we stayed uh, for so long. But uh, that was my first real exposure, and then um, so I had applied to medical school, and I actually got accepted, and uh, I had a year before I was supposed to go, and in that time, I decided to uh, ride a motorcycle to Argentina, and that's when I ended up doing that motorcycle trip so i rode a bike there uh over about the course of a year or so and it was on that trip also that i decided i didn't want to be a doctor i wanted to be uh i wanted to be uh, a writer and that's kind of how i uh, found my way slowly to where i am now at uh, you know teaching uh at the university of iowa i teach uh, creative and scientific writing in the science department and i also i'm writing fiction on the side uh and so that's kind of like what I'm doing these days. But um, so after. After you uh, got back from Argentina, that, that's when you, you stayed in New York. Right. Well, yes. And actually, and when I was in Argentina, yeah, I, for about six months, I was living in Buenos Aires. I, I kind of settled into an apartment for a little while. I got a girlfriend. I was training. I started I started going to this martial arts school where they had Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. And that was my first real training experience it was great it was under uh a freddy sukata sukata jiu-jitsu in in uh in, in uh, argentina in buenos aires and it was super fun i met this amazing guy kind of like you but in uh in terms of a, being a friend and a training partner that serious uh serious training we had this epic he was a white belt at the same time but unlike you he was much bigger than me he was taller like probably six four and, and heavier than me very strong we had this epic match where basically we both knew nothing but freddie whatever for whatever reason wanted to see us fight white belt death match. horrible to watch <laughs> what's that white belt death match <laughs> yeah exactly it's just two clueless strong dudes going at each other and uh we fought for like 40 minutes and it was pathetic because wow. we didn't know how to choke we didn't know how to do anything uh and uh, you know i don't remember uh that was great it was fun to learn this way and i remember though the time that uh, that really shocked me with jiu-jitsu was a blue belt had been training for six months and I've been training martial arts since I was 12 or 11. I thought I was serious business, you know, and this blue belt had been training for six months. He got me in the mount. I couldn't get out. And I was like, Oh my God. And I, and I come from this traditional you know, side of it, which is like, you know, you stand up, you can fight, you're not going to get taken down all this kind of silliness. And I thought to myself, you know, that there's, there's two people in this situation. The one who, goes back under the bubble and says, well, I won't let anybody take me down. And then there's the person who says, I better learn how to do this or I'm going to die one day, you know, when I face a guy who knows what he's doing. So um, that's when I started getting really serious about jiu-jitsu. So as soon as I got back from Argentina, I started looking for a school. I found Marco Santos uh, Machado Academy. I started training there. And about maybe six months later or so, I think you showed up. Uh, and, yeah, that was uh, – that was, uh, I think that I got it. my blue belt at that point. I'm not sure if yeah. I had it or not. Um, no, when we but, started, uh, we were both white belts, but uh, 
but um oh okay yeah i remember so I, I think yeah. maybe i was there maybe i was there for about three months there yeah yeah, so, yeah. i remember you saying and, that you, you, then, you only been there a few months before me yeah because yeah, i remember we got yeah right yeah and um yeah, I remember there was a small room and the walls are I mean, really small. I mean, we're in a small studio right now. And actually, the room we were in was not much bigger than the studio <laughs> we're in now. And we'd always bump up <laughs> against the walls. And uh, yep. it was it was, it was was a fun place. Unfortunately, the 9-11 happened and the place was destroyed But because um, it was right near the towers. Um, yeah. Yeah, and or was polluted, I should say. The building is still there. But um, then we moved right. to 36th Street and uh, – and then we we kept training there for a while. So, um, but the, it was it was it's a great fun odyssey. Um, and um, and uh, you know it's funny you said you said I didn't really um, you know use the rack on you. So this is kind of bad. This is where I have to I have to I have to like um, I have to confess. So there's certain things that I would hold back, not showing you. <laughs> like I, I'm like I'm gonna use this <laughs> on Andreas when I really really need it. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> so like, yeah, like I'm like I'm gonna keep these weapons over here when I'm really in trouble. <laughs> See, the thing is, I knew I knew you were doing that, but I couldn't do anything about it because I, I didn't have the same sort of innovative spark. Uh, I think I that you do. I would try. I'm I'm more of like a. I find some some bread and butter move and I train it to death until I kind of feel like it's really there for me. And then I would just use it. And so it's like everybody knew my stuff. Basically everybody knew what I was going to do was whether or not, you know, I could pull it off or they would, you know, pull off what they wanted to do. You know, uh, I didn't, I didn't have too much of that sort of sneaky, uh, stuff going on but i knew you did and that was always the He's fear sneaky, with Renee. Sure. like oh man what's he gonna pull out this why week? is everybody agreeing that i'm sneaky why is that why is wherever i go i get sneaky what <laughs> what's going on here <laughs> but um well, i think the thing is let's let's, let's recap reframe it it's not sneaky it's you are guileful God, you are God. you are ready and willing to it's is the art of misdirection, the art of surprise, you know, it's kind of like this, you're trying to pull off a magic trick. And the thing is you can't let other people see how the magic trick is done or it doesn't work. Right. Right. And that's exactly. what you're doing. No, no. You know, it's funny. I tell my students that all the time. I'm like the first move, they're going to understand exactly what you're doing and they're going to stop. Even if they're an idiot. They're going to feel force going forward or backward or wherever. And they're going to try to stop that force. So the first move is never what works. Mm-hmm. The first move is the camouflage for the second and third moves. And that's right. really like, you know, it's the third move for me usually that's the one I really want to get you with. Mm. So it's the first, the second. Right. The second is the destabilization. The first is the, is the mm-hmm. trick, you know, the opening, the camouflage. The second is the destabilization. The, excuse me, I'm sorry. The third is where I get you. That's what I really want. So that's always how, kind of how I think. Right. You know? Especially I totally with striking, agree. That's you know? interesting too. And this is, a, this is a point that I think you kind of do implicitly but not everybody gets. And this is something I learned early is that when you're doing that first move if it's your feint your feint has to be and feel like a legitimate attack yes. or you're not going to get the response you want and it's that's one thing that you always do effectively it's never like oh i'm going to do this first move and, and then i'm just going to jump into the next thing you you make the person feel like they're in danger enough that they move and that's when they get caught in the trap which uh not everybody does so well yeah oh well thank you i appreciate that um you know um and you know it's it's just experience i think and and uh you know i i i don't want to to my own horn i'm 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 nothing special uh but the thing is i did come into training with the bum leg and you know i had to have something to equalize it to 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 make to to make it work and i said if i'm not being tricky then i'm going to get smashed you know so that's the one right. thing i have is my mind so let me let me use that you know so well, uh, you know, and, and ultimately, in the long run, it's the better way to go. I always say, you know, that if and when I get back to jujitsu because of, you know, various reasons, years of injuries and things, it, 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 I, I've been away. But if and when I get back to jujitsu, I will always approach it with the attitude that if I'm not, uh, if I'm not uh, able to do this move that I'm learning when I'm 80, I really don't want to learn it. Yeah, because I've seen you know, there's, same there's, there's 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 this. You have to be able to protect your body. You have yeah. to be able to work kind of like uh, effectively and defensively in terms of, of yeah. making yourself last as long as possible. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, Absolutely. It's and it also just dangerous. makes the journey funner, that more or more fun because you know that you can continue as going forward. There's certain moves that I absolutely will not do. One is like a really heavy invert, you know, putting all the weight on my neck. I'm like, I am not going to do that because right. I can't do that anymore. And if I do do it, my neck is going to be sore. And also why I'm 60, I'm almost 50 now. I'm, when I'm 60, 
you know, uh, my neck is going to be shot. So this is just not what I'm going to sure. do. You know, if I can't, you're right. If I can't do it when you're 80, you know, then I'm not going to do it. Um, but, uh, but, uh, a few, let's, uh, let's this. I have a, I have a fun gym story, but I want to, what is, we have some, all these great memories, but one last thing, what is, um, what's a fun gym story that you, that you remember really well from, from our training that, that kind of sticks with you. I, I have, I have one, you know, I have one and, uh, and it's, it's a really, it's a really good story, but anyway, you go, you okay, go, well, you what, go what, what, no, you go first. I'll no, I gotta, I gotta refresh my memory. I wasn't expecting this question. I have to think about that one. There's so many. So yeah. I gotta think yeah there's about so it. many, there's so many, but I would say that the, the, the my happiest memory funny now that I, I got angry at you at that time was with you picking up my shoulders and I really felt that we were like a team, you know, but, um, Mm-hmm. I also remember when, because uh, there was a time when uh, Marcos left New York, and then we were training under um, under Hudolfo, uh, and I remember mm-hmm. that time, and uh, it was not a positive experience. And you know, we got each other together through that. And you know, there, this instructor was um, he was young and inexperienced, and also I think he had some ideas of what training should be, and they weren't um, healthy; they were a little toxic. And, um, one, 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 this is actually a, a bad story where, uh, this is not the one I was thinking to tell, but, uh, but the, my, he told me because he was pissed at you, he told me to attack your bad arm. I remember he told me that and I wouldn't do okay. it and I would not do it. And he said, I'm going to kick you out of the Academy if you don't attack his bad arm. And it was like a karate kid moment. It was like, it was literally at a karate kid. And I'm like, wow. I'm not fucking doing that. And, uh, because you're, whatever you're saying to me means absolutely nothing compared to the friendship that I have for Andreas. I would never do that. And you're asking me to do that wow. is, is ridiculous. And, um, and that, that, was, that was one time where I'm like, I choose Andreas over you all, 100% of the time. And, uh, you know, you're, wow. yeah, you know, and, uh, I remember that that was, wasn't what I'm going to say, but, but that was one tough time. And then we wound up, Marcos wound up coming back and, and everything was back to hunky dory f- fun. And then we were back training again. But the, the happy, the happy story is when I came back, you know, Marcos tested me again for my blue belt. Cause I, Rodolfo could give me my blue belt, but I, I, I returned it mm-hmm. and I came back as a white belt, but I remember the shark tank. And the, the fun thing is, you know, the, so we're having this like, you know, 20 man role for our, for the blue belt exam. Mm-hmm. And on the Shark Tank, who does who does Marco say for the last? He's like, "Oh, Andreas, come up!" Like, "Oh, son of a bitch!" <laughs> and my heart sank. And I'd I'd actually tapped everybody up until that point, you know. And I'm like, "Fuck!" <laughs> and of course, you get me. And I'm like, "Okay, yeah, it's like it is what it is. Can't have oh, a perfect man. record." <laughs> so, but it was that was my yeah. fun memory, you know. But um, you know, and and it, it's well, I got it. Yeah, go ahead, please. Sorry, go ahead. No, finish what you're saying. No, Sorry. no, I'm done. I'm done. That's good. Well, I was just going to say that I, I mean, I have so many incredible memories of being there. And I think, I, you know, for me, uh, it's not funny per se, but it's like the happiest memories for me are probably the ones where things were just so, the training was just so brutal. You know, like Marcos used to love to do, you know, the training of the lion back in the early days. And uh, we do these crazy trainings. <laughs> I remember you know, doing the training line and he put one person down. Like I, 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 like an idiot, I learned to volunteer early, you know, in my martial arts career. So I would always volunteer for stuff. He's like, okay, I need a volunteer to go there. So I did this training alliance and it's like me getting mangled by like Gauche, like, uh, Patrick, like, yeah, all you know, these big dudes I think for the Barney people, was yeah. there. You were there. Like a couple of other guys, this guy, he called Madame Sata. I can't remember his name, Mike something. Yeah. Um, uh, this was before Dave was there, but basically all everybody would, and he just, you just get your, you just get beaten down and beaten down and beaten down to the point where you can't even really lift your arms. And then of course, Marcos and Marcio would have their turn. Yeah, right. The, the well. black boats would be the last match. You know. You're like, oh, <laughs> right. And so you're just getting these beat downs. And I just remember it's like, after that happened, you do two or three of those, you come out of there. It's this gauntlet just somehow just transforms you as a fighter. You just become a different fighter. You get beat yeah. down enough there becomes this really hard kernel inside of you that is so tough to break after that because it just you're, you're like you've had worse how yeah, bad are, how, how bad the fight is you know you've had it worse in your academy and that's i think somehow makes you so much tougher and uh there's things like that and then there's also the things we do where like i remember watching you go through this i went through it where it's like 
Marcos would say, okay, you get down there, and then he would stick, like, three white belts on you or three blue belts or something. So three guys at a time on yeah. one yeah. trying to tap you. Exactly, yeah, uh, yeah. Those were amazing. <laughs> three on one. Those oh, were the God. wars. Remember when we'd have <laughs> yeah. half the team and half the team, and you just go to war, Gang fight. and everybody's yeah. trying to tap everybody else, and, like, one person's, like, the captain, and you're just trying to, like, Get, I do it in know, my academy now too. It. It's like you split the so, so you split the entire class into two groups, and you give a team captain, and then everybody attacks each other, and it could be two on one, three on one. Right. It's this gang gang war. It's just you have to wait till right. the, the the skill is high, but gang war is so much fun. And and yeah, I remember it's like wow, I have one white belt on one leg grabbing one of my legs. I have one white belt grabbing my other leg. I have one white belt grabbing my arm. Right. I have another white belt grabbing the other arm. And another one's about to jump on my neck. What do I do here? Wow. <laughs> right. This is, this is terrible. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing, yeah. too, because you're also like, at that point, you know, you're a blue belt. So you think, oh, I'm not going to get tapped by any more white belts. And you're like, I, you're like, oh, I'm too good for this. And you just have this attitude. And you're fighting, like, anything to get out of there like you're just like a wild animal trying to get out of that <laughs> i totally remember that uh yeah those those are really really awesome times that's wow. fantastic but anyway pivoting. i want to talk about your book, yeah, for book. A yes exactly uh, That's yeah yeah so, so i i admittedly and unfortunately have not had a chance to read it yet but i guarantee you i will be reading it after doing some research on the book it sounds like an oh, amazing journey thank you uh during my research i, I came across a, a review yeah. Uh, I don't the know. The book's if, name is Odyssey to Ushuaia. Yeah, and I don't know if you read right. the reviews. Some people say don't read the reviews, but this review was so amazing that I'm I'm not going to say the person's name, but I'm, I want to just read a snippet of it. And it starts off with, "I okay. wanted to give this book one stars, one star, but I couldn't." <laughs> and they mentioned that <laughs> the book has excessive infantile, childish sexual behavior and over the top excessive drinking, but the writing was really good. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great review. Wow. No, and, and you are a tremendous, you know, I, I'll be honest also, it's a, I'm very jealous of you in a lot of ways, Andreas. One is because your skill as a wordsmith is just unbelievable. And you you are doing what you need to do. You are you are just an amazing writer. And guys, anybody who has a chance to pick up this book, it's it's a very meaningful book for me. Uh and and it it's, you know, I think you know, we 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 live these martial arts lives because we want to have something that takes us out of our humdrum you know kind of daily quotidian existence and 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 what you did is you did something even more intense you went on a motorcycle and drove across you know continents yeah. and it through dangerous areas and 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 it was just an amazing you know it's an odyssey it really is an odyssey and uh and all the adventures you regale of of your trips and and the the, the people have to read it i want to spoil too much but um one, it is it is very well written and it's extraordinarily funny, and uh, and it's inspiring too. That you know, I think for people to see a martial arts spirit exemplified in some, off the mat, you know, where I'm going to challenge myself, I'm to leave a, a life of a strenuous life, as Theodore Roosevelt said, and 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 to me, that's what it's about is doing something extraordinary, um, and and it's amazing. But anyway, what was the inception of of this yeah, amazing please. travel? Oh, thank you, guys. Uh, thanks, Renee. Uh, th well, the thing is, uh, well, the book uh, is called Odyssey to Ushuaia, and the idea was I had this this year, this gap year before medical school, and I thought, uh, well, I'd like to go to Argentina and see my family, my roots. You know, my parents came from Argentina. I was born and raised here with my siblings, but uh, if my if my family hadn't traveled here, I would have been raised in Argentina, you know, uh, with, like, all my cousins. I have, like, 30 cousins down there. So, um, you know, I, I thought I want to go there and see my family. I want to spend time. And I thought it'd be nice to have a vehicle there, but I, motorcycles, you know, things are so expensive in Argentina, it'd be cheaper to buy one here and bring it. And then I thought, well, am I going to do that? Maybe I can drive it there. I, it, it was a crazy conception of why I would think this made sense. Logically, you know, it did. That this would be easier than flying there, buying a bike and then selling it when I leave. Like that would have been significantly easier. And I would have spent a lot longer in Argentina with my family. It wouldn't have been but as much anyway, fun. Sorry, go ahead. It wouldn't have been as much fun. Exactly. It wouldn't have been as much fun. And once the idea got in my head, I kind of thought, you know what, I, I really want to do this. And, and uh, so I started figuring out how to do it, trying to, try to plan it and um you know i didn't have much money i didn't have anything really uh in terms of motorcycling experience at all to speak you had of. no experience with a motorcycle uh, really no i had i didn't have a i didn't have a motorcycle i had nothing i thought i this is what i want to do i set my mind to it. my dad had been a motorcyclist he had he had been big into bikes he had been uh able he was a doctor who 
was also very gifted mechanically. He could take apart his bikes and fix them and put things back together, et cetera. And I thought, you know, this is something I'd like to do too. So um, I, I decided to get a license. I took a motorcycle safety foundation rider course, which I recommend for anybody who ever wants to ride a bike. It'll, um, you know, and I, I started trying to save up for it. I didn't have a way to buy a bike easily. So I, um, uh, I don't tell anybody I found a way creatively to use student loans to apply that to the purchase of a motorcycle. Uh, and you so, call me sneaky. Uh, it, <laughs> you're very guileful <laughs> yourself. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess we all, uh, you know, when, when the need arises, we do what we must. Yes. Uh, but I, I, but basically my, my attitude at that point was I, I, the, I, the dream sort of took me over and I knew I was going to do it. If I had to ride a scooter, and uh, wear, uh, you know, a garbage bag for a coat. I was going. I, some way or another, I was getting down there on a bike. I knew it. And so I kind of got lucky. I found, uh, you know, the resources of these credit cards. Uh, you know, I sold everything I had, my car, my guitar, like anything I had basically to, to fund this trip. And uh, and I went for it. And I, you know, and I also was inspired by the story of Emilio Scotto, this Argentine guy who had, $300 cash and a, and a Honda Goldwing. And he traveled around the world. I think he opened the Guinness world record. I think he went really? around maybe seven times. Oh my God. Um, Emilio yeah, Scotto. He did it. I have to look that up. Emilio, Emilio Scotto. Yeah. And every time he saw uh, that he was running low on funds, he would stop somewhere, start working, uh, make a bunch of money and then just travel and keep going. And that's what he did everywhere he went. And uh, he actually met his wife that way. He converted to Islam along the way. Uh, he had a baby. He was riding with a baby and a wife on his motorcycle. I mean, it's just crazy. Uh, so, you know, he, he just wanted to keep going. So anyway, the stories like that, I thought, geez, if this guy could do it with such limited resources, I can do this. So uh, that's kind of how it all started. So what um, – tell us – without spoiling too much of the book, tell us some of the, the major moments of, of – um... Of, of the trip that some were dangerous. I know some were uh, funny, some mm -hmm. were, uh, yeah, but give it, give us uh, give us some, your perspective uh, on, on the journey and what you took from it as well. Sure. Well, it's just, this is so much. I mean, I, I, uh, it was a life changing experience and one that I could never, you know, uh, replace in terms of who I am and what I've done. I, I, it, it informs so much of who I am now because of what I saw and did. And, you know, yeah, there's things like, I I, uh, I hit a truck head on at one point in the in the you know the Altiplano in the highlands of you know Peru and uh, at at that point I you know I th I thought maybe this is it for me you know I I was slamming on my brakes and the truck was slamming on its brakes and we were both coming around a corner on the same single dirt kind of road and there was nowhere to go and I just slid right into it coming down this hill with all the weight of my bike and. I had been going too fast and he was going way too fast and, you know, we collided. Uh, fortunately I didn't, you know, die obviously. And I wasn't seriously injured in any way, uh, but it shook me. And, uh, the, the bike had been, you know, the forks had been bent back and, but it could still be ridden. So I kind of hobbled and limped into Peru and into Lima and got there to get the bike fixed. And incidentally, that didn't kill me, but the fixing of the bike almost did. For some reason, these guys in the bike shop were like, oh, yeah, uh, we oiled up your bike, so it looks really good. And I was like, what? And they had covered my entire motorcycle with a sheen of oil. And I think what happened is somebody must have spilled oil on the bike, and then they just tried to make it like yeah, like they were doing like they, yeah, like they... well, You're welcome. Thanks. Right. <laughs> and, and, and the thing is, is I leave to, to, to ride away, and as I'm riding away – I go to press my brakes at a red light and I can't stop because they'd gotten oil all over my, my, uh, discs as well. Oh my God. So I slid right into this intersection and was almost killed by the oncoming traffic <laughs> because I couldn't stop my bike. So of course I went back there and gave him a piece of my mind, but, uh, there's many, many, you know, much more positive and memorable trips too. I, I met incredible people. I rode with two, um, really outstanding guys, uh, Robert Bielish and Peter Santa Maria, uh, it's all in the book. Uh, we had many ups and downs and adventures and misadventures, and they uh, probably wanted to murder me more than a few times because I was kind of the young and uh, very inexperienced and, and foolish person on the trip <laughs> versus their you know, much more experienced uh, riding uh, and uh, living sort of uh, approach to life. So uh, I learned a lot and had a lot of fun. And uh, if, if, and if you have the interest 
to do anything like this in your life, I recommend it immensely. There's nothing like travel to change your perspective and uh, to make you a more full and and realized version of who you really are. Absolutely. There's and you know, I, I want to add to that. You're absolutely right. Um, it's travel and, and, and I think because travel takes you so much out of your comfort zone and you have to head on in a in a in a in in a place of of submissiveness because it is not your culture, not your country. You have to confront mm-hmm. different ways of doing things, different things, and you have to adapt. And it forces you to change your conception of of of, of the world. You know, um, like I said, the strenuous life. Sometimes these strenuous li- actions, whether it's it's a trip, whether it's the martial journey, whatever it is, takes you out of this box that you're in and puts you into a much more interesting, much more um, self-actualized box where you become a better version of yourself a more a more um keyed in person and 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 definitely like mm-hmm. you said it's a life-changing moment for you uh th- that's why it's so inspirational you know that you you go and do these these hard things why do we do it because it's hard why do we go to the moon sure. because it's hard you know like it's a, it's a cliche but it's absolutely true and and to me that's what martial arts is about it's it's about constantly stepping on the mat and challenging yourself and going out of that comfort zone always facing up to something that could be that's scary that's that's dangerous that's challenging that puts you in a spot where you feel insecure this and that and and just uh mm-hmm. and and you grow from it and that's how you grow that's life that is how you grow you don't grow by sitting on the couch and you know eating doritos and watching netflix you grow bigger you grow bigger yes that you do grow bigger. <laughs> right. but but matt you had some you had some questions for for, for andre did you have right? any instances where you're on the road where your martial experience uh, came in handy oh i thought you were gonna ask him like the the joke questions those are just for fun that oh was, okay. <laughs> that was misdirection yeah. <laughs> okay well, I, I did have a couple of moments where I thought things might get hairy, and uh, I was glad that I had some experience. One was at a at a border crossing in, uh, I think it was in El Salvador, and I didn't know, I didn't know anybody at that point. I'd gotten separated uh, briefly from Robert and Peter, and I decided in my in my youthful silliness to try to wait around. Uh, to spend some time with a, a, a young lady I had met, and uh, she was traveling through there, and I thought I would be able to meet up with her again. And and uh, anyway, it was an ill-advised idea, and I ended up uh, almost uh, getting separate. I got separated from them, and so then at this intersection, at this at this place, these incredibly stressful border crossings were the bane of every traveler's existence. It just you didn't want to be there. Uh, you you're going to be tied up and and they're gonna try to take advantage of you and get your get your uh resources from you whatever they were whatever they perceived you to have they wanted to to get it from you basically uh and so there's bribes and all these kinds of things that were expected so you you just you just had to deal with all of that to begin with then on top of it you have this um kind of uh strange people that are coming through and one of these was this guy who had had come through pulling uh he was a looked like some kind of mechanic. He had been pulling a, a truck with all of these broken down cars behind it. He would go to the United States and buy a bunch of beat up cars and try to pull them down through the countries with their titles and everything, which made his life miserable. So he was, oh, he looked mad. He basically looked really upset and unhappy. And I remember standing in line to do this thing. This guy looked like he wanted to kill somebody and he comes walking over towards me and I thought, oh man, is this the day that uh, I'm going to get you know murdered in a you know, in public by somebody because I'm an American or something. And uh, he came over and next thing you know, he started talking to me and uh, chatting me up in English. And he said, and I spoke, returned to him in Spanish. And he said, oh, don't speak Spanish. Then these guys can listen in and they think they know what, you know, I'm saying. I don't want them to know anything about me. But So, so I quickly realized that he was on my side, not their side, and that uh, he he wanted to be a friend, not an enemy. So that was a moment where I thought I might need it, but it ended up being... Um, nothing. I don't know if that's that's kind of a dull story now. No, that I think not about at all. No, no, no. But I mean, there's a right lot now. of times where you, where you you sense a threat, and you're very thankful that that you have those those experiences, even if right. the threat doesn't materialize. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So and, I, uh, I no. And, uh, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. I was just saying, I I rode a motorcycle for about maybe like thirty seconds, and I my butt vibrated for about ten minutes after that. <laughs> Like, have you recovered yet from that intense ride? Or was it just I was on a really well, bad motorcycle? I don't know. Here's the question. What kind of bike were you on? <laughs> I have no idea. 
must okay. have been a bad one. Huh? Well, different different motorcycles obviously have different uh, different uh, comfort factors, and I mean, if you're on like a you know uh, a racing motorcycle, like one of these uh, you know Japanese racing bikes, they're going to vibrate a lot. They have very very thin kind of plank seats, very little cushion. They're designed to be kind of like leaning way over, so all the weights on your wrists and on your on your butt and and your knees are cramped and they're not they're they're meant for speed they're not meant for comfort you know versus something else uh you know the bike i was on it's called the dual sport it's kawasaki klr650 just an amazing wonderful incredibly inexpensive and and bulletproof bike it had a single cylinder it you know they call it a thumper because it just goes dun, 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 you know and uh so the the smartest purchase i think i made before i left was a replacement saddle for the bike. It, the one I got was made by a Corbin Saddles. And uh, the way I met Mike Corbin, actually, I think is his name. And I met him when I went through on a tour around the U.S. later on my bike. I met him at his uh, factory, and I was chatting him up and talking about what he does. And he got the design idea for Corbin Saddles because you look at these these guys who ride lawn track or sorry tractors out all day in the field in the Midwest. Uh, and they ride all day long and they're riding on these old metal tractor seats. And the way they did it was that the tractor seat was shaped in the curvature to max, match your bottom, you know. Uh, so the design of these seats, they start with that, having the shape being, you know, sort of conforming to um, the body. And then from that, they put on the memory foam and all these other, you know, oh, that's so smart. dampening things. You know, but yeah, it's just starting from a basic design principle of the human body, which is where everything, all good design really should begin if you're designing uh, something to be used by people, right? So it was uh, it was a life-saving and a butt-saving experience. But believe me, there were plenty of days when I rode 1,000-mile days, and you know, or 800-mile days, and it was like, yeah, uh, this is, get me off this bike. I've been on it for 16 hours, and you know only stopping to, to eat and, and use the restroom and, and get me off this bike. There were definitely days like that. <laughs> wow. I couldn't imagine doing it. So uh, when's your next trip planned? Are you going to go to another continent sometime soon? Probably. You know, it's interesting. The trips I, I do, uh, you know, I, my most recent trip, I went with my fiance to uh, South Africa, and that was an incredible experience. And we did you go on a motorcycle traveling. there too? <laughs> No, but I did. Uh, we did tool around quite a bit, and it was fun learning to drive uh, stick shift left-handed. Oh, they, right, because uh, all the other side, the other side yeah. The road. yeah. Right, and they don't they don't have automatics there, of course. So I was really grateful that I had spent uh, basically my whole life driving stick, so it, it came in handy there. But it was weird to get used to, you know, the different placement of the of the shifter and all that. But uh, anyway, the the um, next. I mean, the majority of travel I kind of do, I would say, is probably more in my imagination these days. As I write fiction, I'm working on a novel right now, uh, you know, set in the 1800s in Argentina. And uh, I basically, I travel from the seat of my chair in my mind every day trying to figure out that story, basically. Well, that's one I can't wait to, to read it. But, um, um, yeah, so anybody wants to, um, do, you have, do you have a website or anything, Andres, or just, uh, just they should just look you up on Amazon, or how, how can they buy your books? Uh, well, if you're, well the, you mentioned multiple books. The truth is I only have that one book right now, Odyssey to Ushuaia. You can find it on Amazon. You can find it um, you know, online. I don't, uh, or you can go to um, the Chicago Review Press or IPG Books and buy it directly from their website as well. That's the publisher. But I don't uh, have a website currently for my own writing. You can find a couple of uh, short stories and things uh, that I've written more recently, if you're interested, I think, online. But, uh, yeah, I'm not really kind of pushing that angle of it right now. It's sort of like, you know, I don't, you know, I know that we're on the martial podcast and we're talking about all our experiences in martial arts, but it's, I technically don't consider myself a martial artist anymore in the sense that I, I know I am at heart, but a martial artist, a fighter is somebody who trains every day. You know, you're training not every day per se, but you're training consistently or you're preparing yourself always to be at your best. And in the same way, if you're a writer, you write. And for me, the kind of whole publicity and thinking about that stuff, I got caught up in that when I went to graduate school and was thinking too much about those things. Um, you know, I, I, I came to the Midwest for my grad program and it, I, I found myself too concerned about too distracted by those things and yeah. the reality is 
that, you know, if I want to be a writer, I have to write. Absolutely. And that's where I'm at now. So mentally, I'm working on that process. I'm trying to get back into the depth of my writing. You know, since being here, I, I've had a son. I've had various things happen and transpire in my life that have kind of changed um, the reality of my day-to-day living. So getting back to having writing be a primary focus of my days is where I'm at. And as soon as I get a published book and, I'm, and it's, you know, or a book published and I get it put out there, I'll start thinking more about, you know, the kind of marketing and end of it, publicity end of right, it. But for now, I, I, I totally agree business. with you. I totally agree with you. You know, it's funny. I just mentioned that, but, but, you know, I, um, unfortunately part of MMA right now is selling yourself as a fighter. So a lot of the fighters go on Instagram or this and that, but at the end of the day, um, it's the work you put in the gym day in, day out, especially when you don't want to. And it's that you don't right. want to go. And then you know, and I both know there are days that we didn't want to go to the gym, but one of us called the other yep. person, hey, you want to train? You're like, okay, all right, let's train. And then you're always better for it. But it's the day in, day out commitment to your craft. And and in that way, you, you, you're an artist. And and whether you're a martial artist or, or, or a literary artist, it is that commitment to your craft over and over again to the honing of it that that makes you makes makes you or breaks you and um you know i uh i respect that you understand that you're in this place where you have to focus on the craft and you have to just every day just just do it just put the work in and and it's not about right. instagram it's not about facebook it's not about websites it's about sitting in front of the on the mats doing the work or sitting in front of the computer and doing the work and and just typing things out um yeah no it's 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 the, the, my instructor in japan uh, Professor Hirata Kanai had um, had a great quote, and he said, "Consistency is the foundation of your strength." And to me, uh-huh. that's everything. What is 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 martial arts, but everything. It's like consistency. It's not effort. I mean, it's not talent. I'm sorry. It's not talent. It's effort and consistency over and over again. Mm. It's one of the reasons why that's I tell awesome. people, even when they're injured, try to come to academy and do something. Because just the consistent day in day out method, and you were just the other day we were talking about um, this really this book this interesting book called Atomic Habits and how like you know it's the way to change your life is by making these micro changes in your habits over and over again to get a consistent mm-hmm. growth. It's like even if it's zero point one percent, if you're zero point one percent every single day seven days a week, hey, over time that adds up, you know, and sure. that, and it, and it and it, it, uh, it it's going to 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 exponentially grow at some point, you know? And uh, so, but well, anyway, it's, I, it's, I appreciate it. It's so your... funny. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, I totally agree with you. And it's so funny you say that because I look at the guys, for example, who, you know, I was always training like like my, my pants were on fire. Oh, I got to train. I got to go train. I got to, and oh, I'm hurt. Who cares? I'm going to go back to training. I, I, I basically put myself into such a, a state of, of disrepair physically from training through injuries and hurting myself and, keeping training and stuff that uh, I, I kind of pushed myself out of the game in some ways after, you know, I had multiple surgeries for my knees and uh, or for my knee and my shoulders and things like that. And uh, of course, at that point, I was also focusing on my writing. So it wasn't entirely uh, that I didn't want to do it. I absolutely did. Uh, but it became this, this thing like, you know, I look at those guys who trained, you know, consistently three days a week, you know, like Greg, uh, for example, uh, would train three days a week, and that's all he could do. He had his job, he had his wife, he had his kids. But it's three days a week, week every single day. Belt. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know, I know exactly yeah. what you mean. Yeah, I, I, I have another friend. The same thing is I call Matt uh, um, MRC, and MRC is the same thing. He's he's not a black belt yet, but he will be soon. He trains at Marcelo's now, but he's like he's mm-hmm. very very um, uh, com- He has a very serious job. So he puts in his three days a week, but he never misses those three days a week. And, you know, that's a path for right. other people. Now, I, I was different, and I, I'm definitely – you and I are the same. We're kind of obsessive-compulsive. But at the same time, you know, it, that consistency is the same for us. You know, it's it's you, you don't want the sure. burning the candle twice as bright and then half as long. So you want to burn that candle right. – but keep it consistent over time, over time, over time, you know? And um, yep. and, and, and training through injuries is important in some way, but in a smart way that you, you let them heal. You know, so I say, okay, if you have an ankle injury, just sit on your butt and work wrist locks. But don't put weight on your ankle. You know, if you have a wrist injury, just work your triangles, but don't do anything here with the wrist and take it nice and slow right. and steady and train at the pace that you can pay, you can, can. 
you know, that being said, you and I both are not like that. <laughs> I know we no. we're both the same. And, and, like, and yeah. it's hard. It's hard because you know yeah. the other side of it too is that we love doing it and yeah. we love what we do, and so it's like you're sitting there. You're all your friends are there at that point. I mean, basically when I was in New York, all of my friends were martial artists that that's who I knew, you know? And it's like, I, I, if you don't go to class, you're missing a huge part of your socialization. You, 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 you're not, not hanging out with people that you care about. You don't see what's going on with their lives. You're also not getting the high that you get normally from training. And it's like, I remember, you know, yeah, I'd drive to class and I'd be upset with the traffic and be like, Oh, this guy's my way and blah, 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 whatever, you know, and go there. I get, whooped and i'd just be totally spent i drive home somebody would cut me off and i'd be like ah go ahead oh it's all good and waving to them you know <laughs> completely you know at peace with everything in the world because it just it was this incredibly uh transformative sort of um fulfilling thing that we did that if you didn't get your fix it was it was heartbreaking i, I couldn't take it i love to go and train so when i was injured push it because I wanted to get back there, you know? Yeah, no, for sure. Um, so it was, that's, I think that's a, that's a, a great moment, moment to, to, to break off. Um, I, speaking of training, I actually have to go and train, <laughs> but, um, it, <laughs> of it is, uh, it is so great talking with you and reminiscing. And, you know, like I said, I, I wouldn't, I'm not the martial artist. I wouldn't be the martial artist I am today without you. And, and you're such an important part of my martial journey. And I tell you, you don't even know, but I, I talk to my students about you all the time and saying, this is the, this, this guy was here for me and you need someone like that. And, and this is what Andreas taught me. And, and even, even the, you know, this, this is here. And I have a couple of names of techniques. I said, this is Andreas's technique. This is what he did. And, <laughs> and, and, you know, like, but in, as a presence in my martial journey, there are very few people who come as close to you uh, in in my life, and and I'm just truly thankful for that. And just as to our listeners, with whatever martial art you're doing, you know, like we see we see the 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 in the, the martial journey on TV, and you know, it's so so false, but it's always like the guy goes up on top of the mountain, does his forms, and then comes down and kills everybody. And that is so false because you know you're always part of a team. Martial arts and and prize fighting, while it's the only person standing in the ring behind that guy, is is a whole team of people and particularly his number one training partner. And, and while I, I don't like him very much, Conor McGregor, you know, has his, his, you know, Artem Lobov is his guy. And, and you look at any successful guy, you know, uh, he has his main training partner, the guy he, who day in, day out is there for him. And you can't make it mm -hmm. without these people. You know, of course you need a teacher and instructor, of course. But, you know, if you don't have that person that is always sitting there for you, helping you to get the work in, you're never going to get there. And, um, right. And, uh, so it's, it's to all those people training out there, whatever martial art, whether it's Taekwondo, Jiu Jitsu, Karate, Judo, you know, the, it's so much better in terms of getting technically excellent, but it's so much more enriching in terms of the joyfulness of training and the camaraderie of, of making, making a connection, a strong connection with another training, training partner. So, and, and, yeah. and, uh, and so that's, that's just, I want to say thanks. Well, uh, Renee, you honor me, and I, uh, I I couldn't agree more. I, you know, I'm not anywhere. I'm not in your league anymore. Yeah. If we ever trained, I mean, you just murder me these days. But everything that I have, you know, from martial arts, you know, I I credit to everybody that I've trained with, and you are such a, an incredibly important piece of that. And you know, and for years it was always, you know, I'd I'd be training and I'd be thinking to myself, oh man. I can get away with this on this person, but would it work on Renee? It was always the test. <laughs> can I pull this off on Renee? If, it's, if I can do it on Renee, I maybe have something here. And so yeah. this is the kind of stuff that, like, you know, we don't always think about, but you're absolutely right. It's, yeah. it's, it's so critical to who yeah. we are, Many, and I feel the same exact way. And I'm, I'm extremely grateful and, and humbled that you feel this way about me. It's, you know, I'm touched, man. Oh, thank thank you. you. There are many nights, late nights at two in the morning. How the freaking hell did he catch me? <laughs> 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 so same here, yeah. But it, it was, it's awesome journey, and I'm hoping you come to New York again. And the last time you here, of course, we, unfortunately, we didn't get to train too much. We just got some food. But I hope you come to New York again, and you know, maybe you can show some techniques to my students, and you know, we can share the mats again, something like that. Well, we'll see if I can remember any. <laughs> <laughs> it's right, been a friend. while, but I think uh, I, I, I do intend one day to uh, get back to training and. When 
what I do, I'll, I'll, you'll be the first to know. I'll be, I'll be happy to go there and get my, my butt kicked by you again and again, like the old days. <laughs> Thanks, my friend. Great talking to you. Thank you so much. You too. Thanks, Bye-bye. Renee. Bye-bye. Thanks, Matt. Awesome. So great, great uh, session. And um, I can't wait to read a book. I got a new book know. to read. Yeah, I know. And again, it's Odyssey to Ushuaia, and it's by Andres Karlstein. And, and I really, really recommend it. It's a phenomenal book. Right? And uh, I guess that's it for today. That's it. And we got some big fights coming up this weekend. We got big bets, too, right? Big we? bet. Oh, yeah. Well, oh, what, what bet do we have? I don't remember. You don't remember? I'm getting side eye from uh-huh. the missus about bets. <laughs> I'm not allowed to make bets anymore. <laughs> not, uh, I won the last one. You though. won the last one, see? Who's coming up? He's coming up. Like, uh, Holloway this weekend. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Holloway. Right, right. That's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. So Holloway versus Edgar. And it's also on the same card. It's it's Cyborg versus Felicia Spencer. And um, yeah, it's a lot of, a little bit a, of some newer guys on the card. A lopsided but, card. Easy mm-hmm. wins there. Holloway Cyborg all day. All right. So, oh, uh, yeah. I think, I think, um, I think Holloway's going to win. But I'll, I'll take Frank Edgar. Okay. I'll take Frank Edgar. So we bet. What can I bet? Um, nothing. I don't know. You choose. You choose. I can't bet anything. <laughs> I'll bet you. I don't know. Okay, but what do you also also help. coming up on August third? The one after is Covington versus Lawler. Who do you got on that one? Lawler. Yeah, Lawler. Mm. God, I hope Lawler wins. I really, really, really hope he wins. That's just because you hate Covington. Or? God damn, I hate <laughs> that guy. Um, but yeah, okay. So, but okay, I'll take I'll take Edgar, and this really irks me because I'm not a big Edgar fan for other reasons, which we'll we can't talk about off, on air. Off, off air. Yes, that's fine. <laughs> All right, my friend. All Have right. a, a look forward to seeing you next week. Yes, sir. We'll see All you right. then. Bye-bye. Bye.